The Christian journey is one that often brings God's children into places of real despair and in need of comfort. We tend to consider comfort as something we receive when we become the center of someone else's tender attention. But the Bible would have us consider that the best comfort comes not when we are the center of attention, but when we place the enthroned Christ at the center of our attention. Welcome to episode 47 of Ask Spurgeon, where we pose another important question to the great Victorian preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and draw yet again an answer from his ministry while serving at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. I'm your host, Dave Holt. Reverend Spurgeon, how does the thought of Christ's exaltation offer comfort to the Christian? My friends, the Apostle Paul writes, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11. This is a very bottle of cordial to the lips of the weary Christian, that Christ, after all, is glorified. The true Christian's heart leaps for joy even when cast down by diverse sorrows and temptations at the remembrance that Christ is exalted, for in that he finds enough to cheer his own heart. The Christian has certain features in his character which make the exaltation of Christ a matter of great joy to him. First, he has a relationship to Christ, and therefore he feels an interest in the success of his kinsmen. You have watched the father's joy when, step by step, his boy has climbed to opulence or fame. You have marked the mother's eye, as it sparkled with delight when her daughter grew up to womanhood and burst forth in all the grandeur of beauty. You have asked why they should feel such interest, and you have been told, because the boy was his, or the girl was hers. They delighted in the advancement of their little ones because of their relationship. Had there been no relationship, they might have been advanced to kings, emperors, or queens, and they would have felt but little delight. But from the feet of kindred, each step was invested with a deep and stirring interest. Now it is so with the Christian. He feels that Jesus Christ, the glorified Prince of the kings of the earth, is his brother. While he reverences him as God, he admires him as the man Christ, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, and he delights in his calm and placid moments of communion with Jesus to say to him, O Lord, you are my brother. His song is, My beloved is mine, and I am his. It is his joy to sing, in ties of blood with sinners one. Christ Jesus is, for he is man, even as we are, and he is no less and no more man than we are, save only sin. 
Surely, when we feel we are related to Christ, His exaltation is the source of the greatest joy to our spirits. We take delight in it, seeing it is one of our family that is exalted. It is the elder brother of the great one family of God in heaven and earth. It is the brother to whom all of us are related. There is also in the Christian not only the feeling of relationship merely, but there is a feeling of unity in the cause. He feels that when Christ is exalted, it is himself exalted in some degree, seeing he has sympathy with his desire of promoting the great cause and honor of God in the world. I have no doubt that every common soldier who stood by the side of the Duke of Wellington felt honored when the commander was applauded for the victory, for, he said, I helped him. I assisted him. It was but a minor part that I played. I did but maintain my rank. I did but sustain the enemy's fire. But now the victory is gained. I feel an honor in it, for I helped in some degree to gain it. So the Christian, when he sees his Lord exalted, says, It is the captain that is exalted, and in his exaltation all his soldiers share. Have I not stood by his side? Little was the work I did, and poor the strength which I possessed to serve him, but still I aided in the labor. And the most common soldier in the spiritual ranks feels that he himself is in some degree exalted when he reads this, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name a renown above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Moreover, the Christian knows not only that there is this unity in design, but that there is a real union between Christ and all his people. It is a doctrine of revelation seldom sung upon, but never too much thought of, the doctrine that Christ and his members are all one, Know you not, beloved, that every member of Christ's church is a member of Christ himself? We are of his flesh and of his bones, parts of his great mystical body. And when we read that our head is crowned, O rejoice, you members of his, his feet or his hands, though the crown is not on you, yet being on your head, you share the glory, for you are one with him. See Christ yonder, sitting at his Father's right hand. Believer, he is the pledge of your glorification. He is the surety of your acceptance, and moreover, he is your representative. The seat which Christ possesses in heaven, he has not only by his own right as a person of the deity, but he has it also as the representative of his whole church. For he is their forerunner, and he sits in glory as the representative of every one of them. O rejoice, believer, when you see your master exalted from the tomb, when you behold him exalted up to heaven. Then, when you see him climb the steps of light and sit upon his lofty throne, where anger's kin can scarcely reach him, 
when you hear the acclamations of a thousand seraphs, when you note the loud pealing choral symphony of millions of the redeemed, think, when you see him crowned with light, think that you are exalted too in him, seeing that you are a part of himself. Happy are you if you know this, not only in doctrine, but in sweet experience too. Knit to Christ, wedded to Him, grown into His parts and portions of His very self, we throb with the heart of the body. When the head itself is glorified, we share in the praise. We feel that His glorification bestows an honor upon us. Ah, beloved, have you ever felt that unity to Christ? Have you ever felt a unity of desire with Him? If so, you will find this rich with comfort. There is yet another feeling, which I think is extremely necessary to any very great enjoyment of this truth, that Christ is exalted. It is a feeling of entire surrender of one's whole being to the great work of seeking to honor Him. Oh, I have strived for that. Would to God I might attain unto it. I have now concentrated all my prayers into one, and that one prayer is this, that I may die to self and live wholly to him. It seems to me to be the highest stage of man, to have no wish, no thought, no desire but Christ, to feel that to die were bliss if it were for Christ, that to live in poverty and woe and scorn and contempt and misery were sweet for Christ, to feel that it did not matter what became of oneself, so that one's master was but exalted, to feel that though like a dry leaf you are blown in the blast, you are quite careless whither you are going, so long as you feel that the master's hand is guiding you according to his will. Or rather, to feel that though, like the diamond, you must be cut, that you care not how sharply you may be cut, so that you may be fit to be a brilliant jewel in his crown, that you care little what may be done to you, if you may but honor him. If any of you have attained to that sweet feeling of self-annihilation, you will look up to Christ as if he were the Son, and you will say of yourself, O Lord, I see your beams, I feel myself to be not a beam from you, but darkness swallowed up in your light. The most I ask is that you would live in me, that the life I live in the flesh may not be my life, but your life in me, that I may say with emphasis, as Paul did, for me to live is Christ. You must seek and learn to live wholly on Christ, to sorrow when you see Christ maligned and dishonored, to rejoice when you see him exalted, and then you will have constant cause for joy. Sit down now, O reviled one, poor, despised, and tempted one. Sit down, lift up your eyes, see him on his throne, and say within yourself, Little though I be, I know I am united to him. He is my love, my life, my joy. I care not what happens, so long as it is written, The Lord reigns. Amen. The Lord Jesus reigns. He reigns on high as glorious King, 
and there is so much to rejoice in that. I hope that this answer to the question, how does the thought of Christ's exaltation offer comfort to every true Christian, has been an encouragement to you. It was provided during the Sunday morning sermon preached on the 2nd of November, 1856, titled, The Exaltation of Christ. Did you know that you can download a copy of All of Grace, an audio classic and worship experience by Charles Spurgeon for free on Audible by signing up to their 30-day trial membership? Or if you are already a member, why not use one of your credits for what will truly prove to be a blessed listening and worship experience? Just go to audible.com and search for all of grace. There are a few versions, so you want to be looking for All of Grace, an audio classic and worship experience. If you've been blessed by the Ask Spurgeon podcast today, why not subscribe to it as well as leave a brief review of your experience. And then please feel free to contact me about this or any other episode by emailing me at dave at askspurgeon.com. It has been so good to have you with us today. Do join us once more for the next episode of Ask Spurgeon, where again we will seek answers to some faith-building questions as together we journey through life and on our way to glory. Until next time, God bless you. Music